Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Well, hello. And today, Des and I are going to talk about lateral thinking puzzles. We've written many books on the subject, including uh, Remarkable Lateral Thinking Puzzles by Paul Sloan and Des McHale, uh, which is available on Amazon. A lot of the other books are out of print now because they go back a few years, but you can still get copies of them. Hello, Des. How are you? Hi, Paul. Very well, thank you. Good. So before we begin today, I'd just better reprise the puzzle which I set at the end of last week's uh, episode when we talked about mathematical lateral thinking puzzles. And I gave you this puzzle. I'll, re I'll repeat it and I'll give the answer at the end. You are shown into a darkened room and seated in front of a table that you are told has 32 coins on it. Of the coins, you know that 12 show heads and 20 show tails, but you cannot see anything in the dark. You can touch the coins, but you cannot tell by feeling which show heads and which show tails. How can you divide the coins into two piles, each showing an equal number of heads? So the two piles don't have to be the same number, but they do have to have the same number of heads in each pile. And believe it or not, this is soluble in the dark without any ridiculous tricks. It's something that any of us could do. So I'll just leave that there and I'll turn back to you, Des, and ask you this. What is a lateral thinking puzzle? Well, what you gave just there is an excellent lateral thinking puzzle because it involves a strange situation, a most unlikely situation, a grotesque situation, and lateral thinking puzzles often involve extreme situations where there's loss of limbs or death or amputation or something very, very strange. But it's something that you've got to impose a logical solution on. And the method is, it's not just a story that you have to puzzle out. You're allowed to ask questions. And you ask the, the questions, answer can only be yes, no, or irrelevant. And it's this interactive uh, method that I think really makes them great fun. Very enjoyable to do. My, my, my brother was a teacher for a while. And he had a very unruly class and they, you know, he just couldn't keep control over them. But he used to do lateral thinking puzzles with them. And he found that if he promised them, let's say on Friday afternoon, if you're all good this week, we'll do a lateral thinking puzzle. It had an amazing effect on them that they really look forward to this. And it's such an enjoyable process. It's an enjoyable mental process. And I think that's the attraction of lateral thinking puzzles. Yes. And uh, kids love them and kids are good at them because kids are uninhibited. Um, and don't think down the straight lines that adults think down. Yes, and it's not always the child who is most academically gifted that's going to get the solution out. It may, yes. He may not be the best in the class at mathematics or, or French or whatever, but he will have a good imagination. He has a different... I think it's a different type of intelligence, and it's the sort of intelligence that you need in the real world, because not everything in the real world is straightforward and logical. A implies B, B implies C, therefore A implies C. I mean, life isn't like that. You think in little bits, in little pieces, and you look in the most unlikely places for solutions. And I think that that's why it should be taught in schools. Yes, indeed. And I would stress that the books are not designed to be read as books. They're designed to be played as games. So the puzzles don't work on your own, really. They only work with a couple of other people or one other person where one person knows the answer 
and poses the puzzle and the other person asks questions. And I think you've got one for me, haven't you, that I haven't heard before. So try me. Yes, this was made up by my brother, Kieran, who lives in Chicago, and uh, he likes to send me puzzles and torture me. Um, but it's about two men who are playing golf together, and the first man tees off, and the second man turns around, shakes hands with them and says, right, I'm out of here. So what's what was a, going on? What, was there a bet involved? No, no bet involved. Uh, were both men amateur golfers? Irrelevant. So neither but, was a professional golfer. No, but it has to do with golf. I mean, it couldn't. This couldn't be in tennis, or it couldn't be in any other sport. So it's got to do with golf. All right. Now was I shouldn't be giving you clues, but I because of a scenario, I'm giving you clues. But in general, you just keep the. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a few questions. So, okay. uh, is any lesson involved or teaching? No. Okay. Did they both intend to play a full round of golf when they set off that morning? Yes. Ah, oh, they did. Uh, are both men physically normal? Yes, that's a good question to ask. That's always a good question. You get so many distorted people in various ways. Yeah, no dwarfs involved in this or one. People who are one foot tall or whatever. No dwarfs or ice blocks. Yeah, um, I, I, had, I had a friend who used to always start off with the question, does everybody in this puzzle have the requisite number of limbs? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question to ask. Uh, any criminal activity involved? No. That's always, a, that's always a good question. Was the second man, the man who walked off, was he disappointed or sad when he walked off? Yes, he was, yeah. And was the first man pleased or disappointed? Very pleased. All right. So was it a contest of some kind? Yes. It was a golf match. Golf match. That's a very good question. Now, that's a good question because most people think of golf, they think of the total score that you get for the round. But this is match play. This is whoever wins each hole. All right. So was this, uh, was this the playoff after the tide, after 18 holes? No, but you're very close to it. All right. Um, and did the first man do a brilliant drive? Yes, really brilliant drive. So it was. So what's, was what's the what, best drive you can do in golf? Uh, did he do a hole in one? Yes, he did a hole in one. All right. So the second man had lost the match. But it, it was, well, it was Dormy one. He was one up and one to play. All right. So when you hit the ball and you put it into the hole, then you have, you can't, you, the best you can do is tie with a hole in one yourself. So if you tie, you're, the other man is still yeah, yeah. one up, so he's won the match. But so he well done, well done. All right, well, that was it. Okay, good. That, that, that's a clever puzzle. And uh, I think most people think in terms of tee, teeing off. I didn't say teeing off. I said hits the ball from the tee. Teeing off would imply that they're at the first hole, but they're oh, actually at the last yes. hole. I assume they were at the first hole. It's true. Yeah. So, so you do form the puzzle in such a way that the, you cause the other person to make a false assumption. And that's the real secret. Don't make false assumptions. I mean, you, you can't be sure you're not making false assumptions, but if you make some certain assumption, then you know, I mean, it's a bit like the, the famous one of the, the cabin on the side of the mountain and 10 people are found dead inside the cabin. What had happened? Well, we cabin, can yeah, and you tend to yeah. think it's a log cabin or a, yeah. some it's kind the cab, of... It's, it's, it's the cabin of an aeroplane which has crashed on the mountain. Yes, and very that, often you have to that's, check... That, that's right. Yeah. That's just the ambiguity of the word cabin. And it's great to get a puzzle where there's an ambiguity which forces the person to do actually one. It's a bit like the, the two parrots standing on a perch and one says to the other, can you smell fish? <laughs> <laughs> and, and jokes and lateral thinking puzzles have a lot they of... Yeah, jokes are many lateral thinking puzzles, yeah. Yeah. So here's one from the book, Remarkable Lateral Thinking Puzzles. Uh, why would workers go on strike because they wanted to make less money? And that leads you down a certain path because you assume 
that people want to make more money. They want to earn more money and, and that it's really uh, very odd to go on strike because you want to make less money. It seems and like a contradiction. It seems like a contradiction. And that's why it's a puzzle. Um, and you have to ask a lot of questions and you go round and round. And in the end, when you get the solution, I'll tell you the solution to this one. Though it grieves me to do this because I think people should work to earn these solutions. When you get to the solution, what you find out is these are people who are working in the Royal Mint or the the, um, the note factory. And to make less money means make less product of the product they make. The money they make is the money they is the product they make. So they're work, working far too hard. So they want they go on strike to do less work, which means they will make less physical money. That's brilliant. That really is a wonderful puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, get the person to make an assumption which isn't correct. To make seems to be to earn, but here it actually means physically to make. So I've got one for you, and it, it was one that I created and put on lateralpuzzles.com. If you go to lateralpuzzles.com, all one word, lateral puzzles, one word, it's a forum where you can set and solve lateral puzzles interactively. A man, a hungry man, uh, had a plate full of food in front of him. He took two mouthfuls and then stopped. Why? And I'll tell you, the man was very hungry. It was genuine food. Uh, it there was not poisoned and uh, he was not under any threat. Well, I think it should be known that I'm pretty hopeless at actually solving puzzles. You're <laughs> very go good at, at solving point. them. I'll ask a couple of questions. <laughs> I'll have a go. And you're good at making them up, but I'm better at making them up, I think, because I mean, yes. I like setting the puzzles and everyone, I mean, when I actually do one, I'm out the whole. Anyway, I'll have a go. Um, he was hungry. Yes. Was it pleasant food? Lovely food. Yeah. And uh, there was nothing contaminated about it? No. Does the place that it's being consumed in matter? Was it a yes. restaurant at home? It, it matters. And, and it was not a restaurant. It, was it home? No. no. Was it? Um, was he a prisoner taking his last meal before being executed? Well, that... <laughs> <laughs> Very often, <laughs> death and lethal situations are involved in these puzzles. That's but right. So, so, no one so dies think, in this one. No. Think, think lethal. <laughs> Had it got to do with allergies? No, it's nothing to do with allergies. No. He was not alone. There were many other people eating. Were the other people hungry as well? Uh, yes. And did the other people imitate him or did they continue with their meal? Uh, they, uh, Many of them had stopped already. When he stopped, everyone else stopped. It wasn't the king testing out food to see if somebody was trying to assassinate him. No, but but royalty is involved. Royalty is involved. Had it got to do with some sort of tax or something, some no. special, some no. special meal that only royalty eats? No, it has to. Were they people? Were they people? Was yes. it a royal bee or anything? Yeah, a royal people. Yeah, yeah. The difficulty is trying to find questions that are so stupid that you wouldn't <laughs> ask them. <laughs> this is to do with um, protocol. This is to do with custom and practice. Did people have to imitate him? No. Or, or was he supposed... Oh, I see. Um, maybe the, the king was supposed to take the first mouthful, but he took the first mouthful and he was breaking protocol. No. But you're getting closer. I'm getting close. I'm glad to hear that because I don't think I am. <laughs> A lot of a lot of the activity here is thinking out loud. I mean, you you ask questions that you don't feel maybe should be asked, but you ask them because there may be. And it's the reaction of the questioner sometimes that you're actually interested in to see. Yes. Ah, how did you react to that particular thing? And, and very often, if you do it with a group, people spark off each other and they, they spot do. things that other people do. miss. And it certainly keeps them awake and alert. 
Yes. Um, it's got to do with protocol. Has it got to do with embassies or ambassadors or? It, it could be. It could be a, easily could in a be. foreign in a foreign country. Could be yes. Had he had he taken the uh, food in the wrong order? No, he didn't do anything wrong. Didn't do anything wrong, but he did spit it out. No, he didn't spit it out. He had oh, two mouthfuls. Sorry. Aidan swallowed two mouthfuls. He swallowed two mouthfuls and then he stopped, even though he would have liked to have eaten all the rest of the meal on his plate. And it was a delicious meal. Well, had to do with poison mushrooms, no? No. Should I tell you the answer? Oh, yes, you better, because I'm hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> this is a state banquet at which the Queen of England was present. Right. And at any state, okay, at any meal with the Queen and a lot of other, he, there were a lot of people there. The Queen is served first and she starts to eat then everyone else is served he was served last or very close to last in the big group when the yeah. queen finishes eating and puts her knife and fork on her plate the custom is everyone else stops eating yeah so even though he'd had only had two mouthfuls he had to stop out of protocol it's it's it's, it's puzzles like that that make me want to become a republican yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible isn't it so i believe i believe you've got a very nice uh letter from someone who'd enjoyed our i did i don't i got one fan letter in my entire life and it was from it had got to do with our lateral thinking one of the early books that we did and it was from somebody a submariner uh, working for the united states he was in a nuclear submarine for six months of the year under the polar ice cap to see if the thing would work out and he said you could go crazy there you most people do go crazy he said but he said our lateral thinking puzzles kept it sane during that time and that's a lovely tribute to think that when you sit down when you and i sit down and write out a puzzle and write out a solution that somewhere somebody for six months underneath the polar ice cap will actually use them and it keeps them sane so i i, I treasured that it was wonderful so um here's a puzzle from remarkable lateral thinking puzzles uh which is based on on real life what happens is i read things in the newspaper i see things on the tv and i think that would make a puzzle and i heard about this why do parisian criminals on scooters deliberately bump into the side view mirrors of cars and that was the puzzle they're driving along on a scooter and they deliberately bump into the side view uh, the, the the wing mirror it used to be called of a car why do they do it and um, the answer is that when the motorist reaches out to adjust their mirrors, the criminal snatch the expensive watch from their wrists. <laughs> very good. I like that. So, <laughs> I must. I must try that. Yeah. Criminals are and very creative, I, and, and they are. And if a lot of criminals put half as much energy into actually doing legitimate work as they do into the criminal activities, they'd be doing very well. I also see a good analogy between jokes and lateral thinking puzzles. I mean, a joke is often a mini lateral thinking puzzle. And here's one. Which of the following numbers is the odd one out? Three, seven, 10, 11, 14, 28, or 37? So that's three, seven, 10, 11, 14, 28, or 37. I'll tell you the answer. The answer is obviously 14 because all the others come with fried rice. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's a lovely one to slip in when people are being very serious and think they're being very intellectual. You know? The answer can be absolutely crazy, and it's just your answer. Of course. Uh, some mathematician could probably come up with a, a genuine mathematical reason there, but the answer we give is the, is the best one, I think. Yes, indeed. So have you got another lateral thinking puzzle that you like uh, from the book or anywhere else indeed to share with us? Yes, this is this is from the book and I like it because it's 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 situational and it talks about the story in the gospel where the 
100 sheep go out in the desert and the shepherd 99 come back, but the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes out to look for the lost sheep in the desert. And, you know, it might be a crazy thing to do because he's leaving the 99 at risk if there's no one else to look after them. But the interesting thing was that the answer when I did this puzzle with people was got out by a young farmer, a farmer's son. So just repeat the puzzle. Just repeat the puzzle, please. The puzzle is that the 100 sheep go out in the desert and 99 come back and there's one missing. So the shepherd goes out in the desert to look for the missing sheep and leaves the 99 unguarded back home. Why would he do that? 99 what? sheep are surely more valuable than one and a wolf could get yeah. the, the 99. Well, the farmer's son said the lost sheep was a ram. He was the only male in the herd. And if he didn't have him, he wouldn't have any reproduction in the herd. And therefore the whole herd eventually vanished. Yes. Yes. That was not, I think a farmer's son might think about that, and maybe I wouldn't think about that, or you wouldn't think about that. And that but that's often me, the reason. It, it reminds me of the story of the Irish farmer who was robbed, and he phoned in the report to the, the newspaper, and the newspaper printed it, and he said, uh, he said uh, an amazing story came in that a, a farmer was robbed of 2,003 pigs. And the farmer had phoned in, and he'd say, I was robbed, and I was robbed of 2,003 pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd been robbed of two sows and three pigs. Three a sow pigs. is a female pig. Yes. Yeah. So two yeah. sows and three pigs. And it was reported in the press apparently as two thousand and three pigs. Look, look at the enormous popularity of detective stories, both in print and on television. You've got Hercule Poirot and Jane Marple and Agatha Christie and all those people. And people love to watch those because they don't know the answer. And the good writer, the good scriptwriter is dropping clues and hints all the time and you're picking them up. But they will send you off in a different direction if possible. They'll have red herrings. They'll have people come in who aren't the murderer, who look like the murderer, who could be the murderer. And you want, there's a desperate need in people to know, to know the answer. And it's, that's the thing we're exploiting in these puzzles. People want to know what the solution is. And if you look at soap operas, every soap opera, every episode ends in a slight little mystery which is resolved in the next episode. A cliffhanger, like our podcast. That's <laughs> right, exactly like. Yeah. And I'm going to give the answer surely to the puzzle I set at the beginning. Um, but I would say that Agatha Christie was the absolute queen of a lot of, of uh, mysteries. And what's said about Agatha Christie is that she is the woman who's given more pleasure to more people in bed than any other woman who's ever lived. <laughs> Very good. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> see, a lot, of, a lot of humor is lateral in the way that when you say give pleasure in bed, I mean, you, your mind thinks along a certain way. But I mean, when you resolve it by giving another explanation. OK, I'm going to give the answer to the puzzle I gave at the beginning because people want that. And then we'll set one for people um, uh, for next for the next episode. So perhaps you could choose a puzzle to set for the next episode while I read out the answer. So I'll reprise the puzzle. You are shown into a darkened room and seated in front of a table that you are told has 32 coins on it. Of the coins, you know that 12 show heads and 20 show tails, but you cannot see anything in the dark. You can touch the coins, but you cannot tell by feeling which show heads and which show tails. How can you divide the coins into two piles, each showing an equal number of heads? And you can do this. You can win a bet with your drinking mates by doing this. So what you do is you feel and you take any 12 coins, you put them in a separate pile, and then you turn all 12 of them over. Each pile will now contain the same number of coins showing heads. So if the 12 coins you chose contain 
x heads, then the other pile has 12 minus x coins. So if it, say it had seven, then the other has five. And then when you turn over all of those 12, you end up with seven. So uh, the total number of, of heads will be the same in both piles. The total number of coins initially is irrelevant. Whether it's 32 or 100 doesn't matter. Um, so it's very clever, it's very lateral. It involves one of the few things you can do with the coins in the dark, turning them over. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a wonderful puzzle. And you just don't believe it at first sight. You, you start to experiment with it and you see, look, it works out for a matter of It does work. And that's in our book, Mathematical yeah. Lateral Thinking yeah. Puzzles, which isn't uh, too difficult. It, I think anyone that's doing maths at secondary school level would enjoy it. Certainly anyone that's doing maths at a higher level would enjoy it too. It's got a range of puzzles in it. But finally, Des, do you have a, a lateral thinking puzzle for us to sign off with? Right. I'd like to give this one I like very much. And it's a couple who buy something they like to look at very much, but they look at it only twice a year. So they've bought so some, something expensive, presumably, and, and they, they only look at it twice a year. Twice a year. OK, let's leave people thinking about that and uh, let's encourage them to try some lateral thinking puzzles. Try it with your pals and try it with one of our books. Thank you.